Welcome to another American Scouser Spotlight Podcast. Uh, today we're going to Iowa and we have Des Moines, Iowa. We have Ben Bergman joining us from the Des Moines, Iowa official Liverpool Supporter Club. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Oh, I mean, thank you for joining us and taking the time. Uh, we were talking a bit earlier. You guys are definitely one of the uh, more unique ones in terms of like how fast you guys became official. Because uh, I know we were talking and you mentioned that you guys really started meeting and getting together at December 2018. And I mean, you guys are a fairly new club, but very fast became official last summer. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that and how you guys started to meet. Uh, you said last December 2018, correct? Right. Um, we did have a Facebook page. It was called the Des Moines Cop that was probably around since like 2014, but we literally never got together. So after the Iowa Hawkeye football season, I've got season tickets. I said, hey, let's really start going to these matches. And I went back and looked. Our first match watch party was December 16th, 2018 against Manchester United. And then we became an official supporters club after our first application in August of 2019. So during this time with the Facebook page, are there at least like small clusters meeting together from people chatting or it's just kind of like a social media uh, group until December? So there was sporadic posts on it. There were some people that were individually friends uh, like I know Brian and Brian would get together. They've been longtime members. Um, and I met them randomly on uh, St. Patrick's Day, like four or five years prior to all this. But no, basically two or three people would get together, but never a watch party. And I think we had like 16 or 17 that first match. Wow, crazy. And then, uh, so what is your guys' average right now? Like 40 or 50 a match. Wow. And... So you start, you guys start in December, uh, start getting games together. And I know you, I think when you forwarded me the letter, I think it was about like May or so when you guys applied to be official, right? I mean, is that like a really fast growth once you guys started meeting that just suddenly take off? Like almost like that was the tipping point? Um, I think it was a mix of that we were always there, that we were at a bar that would be the place you would go and watch English soccer called the Royal Mile. It's a British pub downtown in Des Moines. And so because we were there, <clears throat> people actually found out about it, the group. Whereas I think before what was happening is that people would come to different matches and never see one another, like ships passing in the night. And then of course, Liverpool were playing great. They were playing, you know, for the title till the last match and then uh, ended up winning the Champions League. Well, yeah, that's another thing. Like, it's like a great time to kind of like get things rolling and stuff. And I know like obviously you're a lawyer by career, correct? That's right. So was that like a huge factor? Are you going to do consulting work for now? Are there small cities that are trying to, <laughs> does that really help in terms of like how we got kind of like the whole group set up or in terms of like how the application was submitted? Well, it's hard to say why anything works. It's, you know, like we joke in the bar exam, you don't get a grade. Uh, you can't get an A on the bar exam, just like you can't get an A on becoming an official Liverpool Supporters Club. But we definitely had our charter done. We had um, our nonprofit status recognized by the state of Iowa. We got our ITIN number through the federal government, recognized as a nonprofit through the IRS. Um, kind of had all the I's dotted and T's crossed. 
So I, I presume it couldn't have hurt. And are there any challenges that you came across? I mean, it is, when we talked and I, you know, the more I look into it afterwards, I mean, definitely uh, the Des Moines area is totally what I'd not expected or assumed it would be in terms of definitely population. I didn't realize it was that large of an area. Uh, you said it's about 600,000. Are there any challenges of getting the group bigger or it was just kind of like smooth sailing once there was a, you know, regular meetings? Um, there has not been much of a challenge in getting the group together, frankly. I've done some homework in advance of you interviewing me here, and I've listened to uh, two or three of your other podcasts. I would echo that the so social media makes a big difference. Uh, Facebook makes a big difference. Um, because whenever we, whenever we get together, we want to be sure that we know everybody that's there, not that they get on some list. Well, actually, we do put them on a list, but <laughs> but more in the benign sense that we want to know who's there, if they've been there before, confirm if they've been there before or not, and then, um, you know, get them on the Facebook page and get their email so that we have regular contact with them. So we're up to th over 300 people on our Facebook page right now that follow our private group. Um, so the popularity of the group is just, yeah, as you said, been through the roof. Our only limit has been occasionally the bar has not quite been big enough. Really? And, but that's, and you guys have been at the same location from the get-go. Uh, is it pretty much a Liverpool bar or is it more like a soccer bar? So it's a British pub and it's the British pub on the first floor and upstairs it's called the Red Monk where they serve just like Belgian beer. Um, and it is a general pub for all the soccer fans on the weekends. And I have to say that I felt a little bit better and I'll be happy when I talk to the management there that I heard from the other episodes that they've had some strife with uh, the bars they've been at. And we've had our moments um, because it is also the bar for the Arsenal supporters, which is quite a bit smaller than ours, but the next biggest one, um, and some other supporters. Where we turned the corner with them is that they moved us upstairs. Um, and so all the Liverpool fans are upstairs, and then all other 19 team supporters are downstairs. Yeah, I'm sure that kind of helps. I think yeah, finding a location is, in most cases, from like the spotlights we've done in the past, I noticed that to be a trend. Either you get really lucky and find somewhere that's going to work perfectly, kind of like what you guys did, or most people had to kind of evolve it and kind of really work on that more than work on getting, you know, more members to the group, or at least be able to justify a group that's large enough to be able to convince the bar to kind of like commit to them. I think the advantage you guys had is you almost waited long enough before you guys started meeting that there was like a high quantity. So from the get go, they saw a bunch of people, whereas most groups start with six or eight. So I think it's harder to convince a bar to kind of like commit to you and just kind of like give the keys in a sense. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, I have to say that we've got a really good relationship with our bar, the Royal Mile. And um, we get two for one Carlsbergs, two for one Stella's. Um, we kind of have our own staff that likes working with us. And um, I think it's going really great. And so one thing I found interesting as we were chatting before the pod is the kind of like the makeup of the group and how it's 
pretty much global. Uh, maybe it was just me, but I don't think most of us would accept because it's not really like a like a metro metro area in that sense. Um, was that surprising to you once you started, or is that kind of like what you expected the group to be? Um, it wouldn't be surprising to someone that lives here in Des Moines, but we definitely have a, a worldwide membership group. Uh, Des Moines has a lot of immigrants, um, a lot of refugees. Um, so after sort of just plain old American people, the next biggest contingent are definitely Bosnians. Um, there are a lot of Bosnians that resettled in Iowa and in Des Moines after the Civil War in Yugoslavia. And we've got a lot of Bosnian fans that are there for almost every match. Um, and then we've got people from Southeast Asia. Des Moines has a big uh, population of Vietnamese, Lao uh, people. Uh, we got people from South Asia. We've got Scousers. We've got uh, people from other parts of Britain, Ireland, um, Chicanos. Of course, there's lots of Latinos all across the U.S. and Des Moines included. So you're going to see a smattering of the whole world uh, when you come to a match and probably at least a little bit of Spanish too. That actually makes it kind of cool, I think. Just like, I mean, that shows kind of like the power of the sport and the club as a whole too, just bringing people from like all around that may not – have anything in common but Liverpool in some sense. So, um, so you mentioned like having some Scotsers in the group as well. Uh, does that kind of help in terms of be able to lure in newer fans or maybe like educate newer fans? I think it does. And I think that it's only been positive. We've had very little of the sort of, um, well, you might be a Liverpool fan, but I'm more of a Liverpool fan or you know, I have more bona fides because, you know, uh, I grew up in the world or whatever, anything, anything like that. We've had just, I can really only think of one occasion where something like that came up and it was just in a message to me only. And so I can't say, I have to say that the Scousers that we have in our group have been only a benefit. Yeah, and I think it really depends on the fans themselves because, yeah, it can be an issue where, you know, I'm a bigger fan than you kind of thing, which can be kind of negative, especially when you have newer fans. Have you noticed the group? I mean, obviously, you guys are fairly new in terms of how often, you know, uh, for how long you guys have been getting together. But have you noticed the spike with the team's recent success in the numbers? Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, that – has to be one of the reasons why we became so popular so fast. Um, because I, I think that we probably had those 40 hardcore members in that Facebook group for, you know, four years before we got together. And then it's just been a matter of finding the other people that were out there cheering for Liverpool. But you can't deny that the success is always going to help the success on the pitch. And I assume, so you said like the upstairs of the bar is your guys. Um, is the main competition in Iowa college football? I assume it's like a bit college football state, right? It is. It's a really big college football state. So like even for instance, I have season tickets to, to Iowa and Iowa city. Um, and so on Saturday mornings in Iowa city, there'll be a hundred thousand people there in a state of 3 million. And then there'd be something similar to that in Ames for Iowa state. Um, what's funny, though, is that just the way the schedule turned out, there was only one Liverpool match that conflicted with um, at least the Iowa schedule last year. 
and that was actually nice because we had kind of a uh, a field trip to Iowa City to try and meet up with some of the Iowa City uh, Liverpool supporters. Um, but definitely, Iowa is a huge college sports uh, sports state. So, apart from, I mean, in some ways, that probably is better than competing against a pro team in terms of, like, you know, attracting members, or uh, does it make it challenging in normal days of scheduling? I mean, you got to figure, like, Saturday games, um, that's what you're competing against, right? Well, there's a couple things that are working in our favor. So, Des Moines is the capital of Iowa. It's the centrally located city and the most populous, but... The college teams are, the closest one is Ames is 35 miles north of Des Moines and Iowa City is two hours east. So there's not like a draw of the fans away per se because of that in town. And also the bar we go to is not the bar you would go to to watch college sports. There's four or five of those a block away, but you really wouldn't go and watch not to say the people of the Royal Mile wouldn't be happy to take your money to serve you beer and watch it, but there's not, they're not kicking us out to turn on college sports. Uh, that, yeah, I'm assuming that kind of like helps a lot because I know in some of the cities, most of the like the sporter clubs, if they have to battle, they're battling against like an NFL team for like Sunday games and things of that nature. So that's what usually makes it challenging for them. But yeah, it looks like you guys have like the perfect – set up going there so what kind of like activities uh do you guys do at the sporter club obviously it's being newer is that does that kind of like limits how often you guys can get things organized or the enthusiasm is so high right now because it's new it kind of helps the cause well let's see other than the match parties we had a barbecue in my place last summer where we did an auction to support sean cox and I think uh, we ended up raising like $2,600 for him. We had a weekend get together at this place called Smash Park where you go and can play like pickleball or Giant Connect 4 or, um, you know, those sorts of things. Um, and we had a really good turnout for that. Um, and then, um, boy, there was one other thing that we did too that I can't think of off the top of my head. Oh, I know what it is. We've been having uh, – Zoom happy hours, and in fact, we're going to have one uh, tomorrow night for Cinco de Mayo. Oh, so well, that brings me to the next question. So, uh, with all the like the virus stuff going on, um, how that how has that impacted it, and what do you guys do? So, you guys are doing these Zoom. Are they like weekly meetings that the Sporter Club does? We just had our first one a week ago, Friday, so pretty near two weeks ago, and then we're going to do this next one tomorrow night. Um, so there hasn't been that regular, uh, I can, I won't spoil anything to say now that I'm going to get a trivia night together where we can drink some beer and do a trivia match and have some sort of prize uh, for that. I just, for us with the virus, I just think that a lot of people have said how they missed the camaraderie of meeting and seeing each other every weekend. Um, uh, you know, some of the people that come out, um, you know, willingly will say that they're not the most social people, uh, but that they really look forward to coming to the matches and they really feel welcome there. And um, it's just been hard emotionally, I think, even for me. I mean, I miss seeing my buddies. 
Yeah, I think it becomes, uh, I, I think from what I, you know, like observe, it almost becomes like, you know, sitting next to a guy at first, watching a game together to kind of like, you know, getting together with those guys now and the game is on. So it kind of like creates a totally separate bond. And the first thing in the beginning, the game is the only common part, but then over time, people develop that relationship. And I think that's what makes these supporter clubs uh, kind of like cool to join and kind of like attend because it just becomes more than just watching sports together. Yeah, and I think that's an important part of having a successful supporters club. Um, obviously, ours is going to be more intimate at 40 or 50 than whatever's going on in, say, Chicago or New York. But early on, you know, I was looking back on Facebook about what I posted about that first uh, match we all watched together in December. And I noticed I offered to pay for the first round of beer. Um, if you're in that very early stage of getting your group together, it might not be a bad idea to, uh, to offer to buy one round of beer. Not so much for the, you know, alcohol sake, but just to be together and kind of get to know each other better and visit and uh, get to be buddies. Is there, I mean, since the colleges are kind of far away, I'm assuming you guys are not getting any kind of like, you know, rotating college students members. So you, is it right to assume that, you know, it's usually the same group watching the games together with not a lot of turnover? There is probably somewhere between 15 to 25 that's pretty regular that you can count on that you would notice if they're not there. And then that other half, they are, they rotate through. Um, and there is, uh, there's Des Moines University and Drake uh, University in Des Moines, and we do get college students from there. But it doesn't seem like, well, not that we would see them much in the summer anyway, but uh, we do get those students. So generally, I guess we have kind of a core group and then kind of moving out from the center of the circle, some other people that kind of rotate in and out. So going back to you at a personal level, so what made you become a Liverpool fan initially? Well, um, what happened was, is I got uh, old enough that I, when I went out the night before and partied, I still woke up at six in the morning. You know, <laughs> I don't know how old you are if you've gotten there yet, but the whole thing that you can't sleep in. So then you're laying on the couch and you turn on, I think it was ESPN at the time, and there's the soccer on, you know. What's funny is my law school roommate had introduced me to playing FIFA, and so I had kind of gotten into the sport that way. And then you're just laying on the couch watching soccer and thinking, well, I need to pick one of these teams. And so you research it a little bit, or I researched it a little bit, and, uh, and I picked Liverpool. So what was, as you were looking into teams, so who was in the, who was in the running that Liverpool wanted for you? I don't really know if anybody else seriously was in the running, to be perfectly honest. Um, there's no way in hell it's going to be Manchester United. That would be just like cheering for the Yankees or the Cowboys, you know. Um, uh, so, I mean, what appealed to me as I was researching it is that, um, you know, Steven Gerrard is a local guy. Um, it was a blue-collar town a little bit of a left town, which is, you know, my personal uh, opinion on that one. And, um, you know, the songs, the fans, and even, you know, the Hillsborough tragedy, you know, has an appeal that this is a team that's kind of gotten crapped on for no reason. And people have really suffered and stood up for their club. And 
who couldn't admire that? Yeah, I mean, there's once you start looking into it, there is only like one choice, really. But I do, I mean, I talked to several friends like yourself where they kind of got interested in the sport first, then they kind of like was almost like, well, I got to root for somebody. And once they start looking, it's only like it almost feels like there's only one choice anyway. At least for us, there's definitely one. In terms of like the other fans in the group, I mean, aside from the scholarships, who I assume are, you know, from birth, like Liverpool fans, uh, how. Is it the same makeup for the other fans? They kind of like Liverpool is something that grew on them? Or do you have more like long-term fans who have been waiting actually for the entire 30 years? There are definitely some fans have been waiting for the 30 years. There's others that, you know, while we do have immigrant members, we're mostly Americans. And so, you know, that just wasn't on in the U.S. for you to follow it. And so we have people that have followed as early as, say, like Robbie Fowler, uh, McManaman, uh, Michael Owen. Um, and so I think in general that's as far back as it goes for the people in our group. And does that make – does it almost like help the fact that, you know, you are a newer fan in some sense that kind of like, you know, the team grew on, you looked into it. Does that help deal with like other newer fans in terms of like being able to connect with them and hopefully make them more like long-term fans? I think so. And, you know, I don't want to compare this episode to all the other episodes you've done, but I know that's been a refrain of sort of like these different class of fans and that you are a bigger fan because you've been a fan longer and I just cannot even think of one time that that has come up in our group um, it's just we're happy to have you we're happy for you to come and to sing and drink a beer and cheer on the team and I, that's just never been a problem if you come in and you've got your Liverpool shirt or your scarf on you're in and that's it <laughs> And that's really, like, ideal. I mean, I feel like um, fans who have been, you know, who know the team well in terms of its history and its culture and stuff like that play a big role in kind of, like, showing the newer fans who might just like to, you know, who might have picked this team because of the way they play or the success or, like I say, just, like, find their games more appealing because of the fans and the atmosphere that's created at Anfield and stuff like that. I think it's very important that, you know, and you guys obviously have some, like, you know, members that can kind of teach you more about the club, that there is even more to love about it than just basically what's on the surface. Exactly. I think that's right. I think that's right. I did have one episode in my mind that's not exactly on point, but we did have someone show up and it, it, we were playing Southampton and this guy had bet uh, on a draw that Liverpool and Southampton would draw. And so he was cheering when Southampton would score because he wanted to draw. And I think Liverpool ended up winning. And I told him, I'm like, you don't get to come in here anymore and do that. You can go watch somewhere else. And he goes, well, I'm a Liverpool fan. And I go, no, a Liverpool fan doesn't do that. And so he didn't come for a while. Then he started coming back and he so died in the wool. Now he was actually, he actually flew over for the Atletico match. Now he wasn't any good luck, obviously, but uh, you know, <laughs> we turned him around. <laughs> yeah, I was a Liverpool fan. It was betting for a draw, for God's sake. That's why I never, like, even when I do it for, like, fantasy football and stuff, I hate picking anybody and anyone who is around my team because it definitely puts a bias in my decision-making. I agree. I agree. 
So in terms of like future plans, what do you guys have in, what do you have in mind? Now, obviously you guys have a board as well, like in terms of like, you know, making the group bigger or more activities and stuff like that. What's in store for Des Moines? Well, I have to tell you, we had uh, a, a board meeting the other night over zoom and it lasted like 15 minutes. It just kind of seems like everybody's on the same page. Um, I think we need to individually uh, as members post about our interest in the group so that we be sure to catch everybody that could be a Liverpool fan in Des Moines and in Iowa. Um, though, honestly, if you look at our membership compared to the sort of metro area we're in, um, we might have hit everybody by now. Um, I think one thing that I personally would like to do, and I can't speak on behalf of the group, is that um, as we have so many immigrant people in Des Moines, I think that the more outreach we could do to them, the better. And obviously immigrant children are more likely to have grown up watching football than people in the United States. And so as far as our philanthropic efforts, I would like to push toward us leading the way. And even if this included uh, support from the other supporters club, like the Arsenal supporters or the Tottenham supporters, I think for this, I don't care, but just to give back to the community in a special way that we can to reach out to, to lower income and immigrant children, to give them an outlet for something to do on the weekends or after school. Um, that's something that I personally want to focus on. And I would hope that as it gets going, that the group would support that. Um, the one thing for the future too, is that I played an important role in the group, but I really feel strongly about uh, George Washington who insisted on only serving two terms. And so August will be my second term. And then uh, while I'm not going anywhere, I'll still be at the matches. Uh, hopefully I am, we are expecting a child in August. So that will, that will affect things, but the group does need to turn over and exist beyond me for sure. And you mentioned in terms of like, you know, working, which that's an awesome cause, by the way, to be able to do something like that, you know, um, and definitely if you guys ever do anything like that in the starting process, definitely let American Scots know because we would love to be a part of something along those lines. Uh, and you mentioned working with other supporter clubs. Uh, do you guys do anything like that with other Liverpool supporter clubs as well? I know you mentioned like the Iowa uh, City group earlier. Are there any other groups that you guys are more like in close contact with? I know you guys are kind of far away from everybody else in some sense, but. So the Iowa city supporters are under our umbrella right now. Um, I would love for them to get everything going and have their own group, but they're always welcome uh, in Des Moines. Um, we have had people from Omaha over kind of most of all of the, of the people that have come from other groups. Two of our kind of founding members, Brian Travers and Sean O'Hara, they were previously members of the St. Louis group. Um, and then they moved to Des Moines and they were kind of uh, founding fathers of this group uh, amongst others. I have recently had a chance to talk to Andrew in Omaha. He actually watched two matches with us right before the virus hit. And then uh, the folks in Kansas City to have a, uh, a joint watch party somewhere. Um, so that's something else that we're looking forward to. And well, when things open up, I guess. 
Yeah, the sooner the better, hopefully. So let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, what is your take? What is your ideal scenario in terms of how the season is concluded? Well, it would be nice if they could play the matches, even if behind closed doors. Um, you know, you just don't want an asterisk on anything. Although, honestly, what sort of argument is there about Liverpool winning the league? It would be um, in America, the closest example we have are like the 1969 Cubs, right? But uh, I would prefer they play the matches or at least play them until it's mathematically uh, impossible for Liverpool to win, to lose the league. Um, but if they just gave us the trophy, I mean, who am I to say no? <laughs> I think so. It's been one of those seasons where the dominance is so, like, undeniable. I really don't think the asterisk would mean as much as if you were only up by, like, seven, eight points or something like that. I mean, I think throughout the entire season. First of all, there's only one team that has to concede, which in terms of City, who has a mathematical chance of catching up. But I think the way we kind of, like, you know, plow through the league this season kind of almost makes it inevitable to give us the title. It definitely takes away from the the overall joy of, like, reaching there under normal circumstances. But like you are saying uh, – a trophy is a trophy, a championship, you know, a title is a title, so we'll take it any way we can. Uh, yeah, so- I agree. Take, take it how we can get it. I just don't buy into the null and void Manchester United thing. Um, not at all. I don't buy that one bit. Yeah, I mean, people can dream, I guess, on their end. <laughs> That's the only thing they got going for them. But, uh, yeah, I think there's – so much money on the line and so many other factors in the Premier League. It's almost impossible to compare to uh, other leagues and how they're going about their business and things like that. So let's hope for the best and uh, so that we can get back to normalcy as soon as possible and you guys can get back to your uh, parties in Des Moines. So any parting thoughts, anything else you wanted to cover and mention to new or existing members of the uh, the club? Well, first of all, I'd just like to welcome everybody to Des Moines. If by chance you work, say, in the insurance or agricultural industry, you probably end up in Des Moines at some point. Don't hesitate to look us up uh, on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook. On Facebook, it's uh, LFC Des Moines, Iowa. Um, Please come down and and hang out and let us know who you are. Um, I wanted to... I wanted to say a couple things to people or to the groups out there that are thinking about applying to become an official supporters club. I'd highly suggest that you get the charter together and have uh, officers um, elected and um, to sort of avoid the Detroit thing that happened. And I thought you very politically handled that uh, on your episode, by the way. just uh, to, to have everything all documented as well as you can. But the most important two things are have someone that's a greeter, and I'm kind of the unofficial greeter of the matches, but it doesn't have to be one person every time. Be sure and go and shake hands and meet everybody that comes to the match. Um, you never know who might be the next president of the group. And another thing is to be sure that there aren't any clicks. Um, I, that's something that I've kind of thought about even before hearing my colleagues talk about how important that is. And then finally, if you'd allow it, I'd just like to shout out to our original board, 
which is Josh Reamer, Andy Hughes, who's our local scouser, Brian Travers, and Sean O'Hara. Uh, two new board members this year, Nikki McElwee and Adam Leach. One of our other founding fathers is Brian Fogerland, and a shout-out to the Royal Mile for putting up with us doing structural damage to the second floor of their bar. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm actually glad you kind of brought that up. I know that's something, you know, we've talked about another Spotlight podcast, but I think that's something that cannot be stated enough is kind of welcoming the people coming in, the new ones that just, I think it makes a difference between somebody who's going to be there every week to someone who's just going to be there only once. Uh, kind of greeting them and kind of like sucking them into the group, if you will, by introducing them to others or whatever it might be. Because uh, like you're saying, I mean, some people might not be as social. This is as social as they might get. Uh, but it takes somebody who can greet them and kind of like introduce them to others to kind of like break the ice, if you will, so that they're there every week and suddenly become one of those regulars as opposed to somebody who just is there for like one game. Yeah, I, I think that's so important, and, and it, it's just not – you're not going to get your group going unless you do that, frankly. And let people sit wherever, fill in the seats. If, you know, there's a seat empty at a particular table, have the, that one straight person go sit there so everybody kind of gets to know one another. Um, I think transparency is important, making lots of posts on social media, letting people know what's going on. Oh, one other thing I now remember the thing that I forgot is that we just raised uh, $1,200 the past three, four weeks to split between the local food bank and to support our servers at the Royal Mile. I got to run that money down here later today. So um, we've got a really generous group, and that is an enormous blessing. Awesome. Hey, Ben, once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, all the social media contacts and stuff, as always, will be on your guys' page, too. So when it goes to AmericanScouts.com, we'll be able to access your guys' social media pages so that they can know what's going on. And if their way happens to be in Des Moines, Iowa, I'm sure they'll be joining you guys for a game. That'd be awesome. We look forward to it. We'll uh, save a spot and a beer for you and up the Reds. Thanks a lot again, Ben. And thank you all for listening. Uh, stay tuned for AmericanScouts.com for other spotlights as well. And definitely follow us on social media. You'll never walk alone, people.